the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-year, 33-year plus, when I say 33-year-plus, I think I've done, I don't know how many shows of this, and I still can't get that right. But uh, I'm a real estate agent who helps represent people who buy, sell, and build homes in the central Ohio area. Today, we're going to talk about, actually, we're going to talk a little inside baseball. When I, what I mean by that is we're going to talk about the real estate industry itself. Um, the industry, if you haven't uh, heard yet, you will hear of the industries uh, coming under fire with some multiple lawsuits. There's some class action lawsuits and some state lawsuits going on, um, going after the industry a little bit. Um, we're going to kind of talk and we like to be as transparent as we can about anything and everything we can about real estate. And this is one of the things that doesn't always get discussed. And we're just going to put it out there for everybody to hear what we know. Um, we are first going to talk about kind of the model of uh, a real estate uh, agency as well as realtors themselves, because I don't think a lot of people know it's one of those things where you only do a few times in your life, so you're not as familiar with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm redoing my will right now, so I I always hire a professional to do that because I only do that hopefully once a year, once a year, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime. Um, now the kids are older, we changed a little bit, but it's just one of those things that you just don't do every day. Um, like I said before, I'm, my family's in the grocery business and you buy groceries every day. So you don't necessarily need an expert for that. But when it comes to something like this, especially on a big number item like this, uh, you always want to get a professional, whether it's a real estate agent, whether it's an attorney or somebody who knows what they're doing within the industry. Before I bring on my guest, um, I want to go over a little bit about uh, what's going on in the real estate market. Um, this time of year, things tend to slow down a little bit, and uh, this is one of those traditional years. I mentioned before that the last few years, there hasn't been that traditional slowdown or anything like that because the market's been so tight, um, and then I used to call it a frenzy, um, you know, Things sold any time of the year during that time period, and um, there just wasn't a slowdown. And now, yeah, there is a slowdown. Um, we are start seeing slower sales. We're seeing less sales, and and you guys know the reasons for it. The interest rates are up um, uh, comparatively. Um, if you haven't looked recently, they've actually dropped dropped pretty significantly from where they were. Just to give you some numbers. They were touching a little bit more than 8%, and now they're back down in the sixes again. So, again, if you haven't paid attention, keep an eye on these things. Things are starting to head in the right direction. Who knows where they're going to go, but I don't think they're going to go back to where they were. Um, you know, some other reasons, of course, we've heard about the lack of inventory. There just isn't a whole lot out there. There's not as many out there, and I'm going to go over some statistics here in a minute. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, buyers are getting a little – apathetic, I guess. They're getting tired of hearing all this. Um, they're just saying, I'm just going to stay put where I am. So anyway, I did want to go over some quick numbers um, within the multiple listing system. Our multiple listing system is uh, basically Franklin County and all the surrounding counties. Um, it includes like Delaware, Fayette, Licking, Morrow, Pickaway, Union, um, some of the other outlying ones too. But uh there is a lot of counties that are involved, but the majority of them I like to focus on is like Franklin and Delaware and the ones that touch Franklin County. Um, just to give you some perspective, right now there's approximately 33 or so hundred homes for sale 
within our multiple listing. And, you know, we get kind of immune to hearing what that means. Okay, that doesn't mean anything to me because I'm looking for one in Franklin County or Delaware County. And just to give you some perspective, if you look in Franklin County right now, there's about 1,400 homes um, for sale. And that includes condominiums and things like that. Uh, so that's not a whole lot. If you look at just single-family homes in Franklin County, there's about 1,100 available right now. Um, in Delaware County, uh, where I'm from, there are 251 homes for sale right now. That is just n- next to nothing. Um, when you look at in a year within the whole multiple listing system, I think last year we sold over 33,000 homes and this year we're not going to be selling that many. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be less than 30,000. But if you look at what is available right now in Delaware County, there's a lot of new construction going on. Some of the things are listed, but if you look for a, an existing home or a home that's 2022 or less, there's 142 homes. I looked it up right before I came. And for somebody want, wanting to get into Olden Tangy schools, Dublin schools, Westerville schools, big walnut schools, you just don't have a whole lot of choices. So I just wanted to kind of give you some perspective as to um, some of the numbers that are coming in. A couple of other things that, as I mentioned, right now, this year, we've had about 23,000 homes that have sold through uh, October, November, somewhere in there. Um, With that, uh, again, we're down about 15% compared to last year. And last year was good, but again, you are dealing with a lot less homes to deal from. So the other side of that is the prices of homes have gone up. So you've got less homes for sale, less homes sold, and what that means is that there's more demand. And the prices right now so far this year, up about 7 8%. Um, and again, that is a little bit of, uh, it's a little hard to swallow for some people. One other interesting thing that uh, I'm seeing is that before, oh, I say some, September of this year, things were still selling for more than asking price. Uh, somebody was asking 100000 they were getting 101 It was about 101% of asking. Since September, for the first time in about two years, the prices have actually sold below asking price. Uh, so there's a little bit of help and hope out there for people. Um, so when we come back, let's get into a little bit about the structure of a listing, the structure of a buying situation, and then we are going to talk about these lawsuits and how that effect may affect that structure in the meantime. As I mentioned every time, when we are done with this show, it automatically downloads to a podcast. And people who do podcasts know where they get their podcasts, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify or something. Do a search for the Paul George Real Estate Show. There is a lot of good information from not only this show, but previous shows on taxes and insurance and the industry itself. So when we come back, let's talk about some of the structure of real estate. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Hey, remember to give us a like on Facebook. Um, look up the Paul George Group and 
Also, you can find me and my team at uh, either PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com or the easy one to remember is HalfTheBeatles.com. Um, some of you young people don't uh, get that sometimes, and I always have to explain it to some of my younger buyers. What's half the Beatles? And I just explain Paul, George, John, and Ringo, and then they go, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. And that just puts me right back to feeling how old I am sometimes. Um, my guest today is Rob Pemberton. He's a realtor and a team lead with Keller Williams Greater Columbus. Um, Rob is somebody that I'm having on because he's well-versed in some of the litigation that's been uh, brought about by the real estate community. So first of all, welcome Rob and you guys are going to love this voice. He is, uh, he's got a voice for radio and I would think he would have done this at one time, but Rob, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me, Paul. It's great to be here. <laughs> uh, Rob Pemberton. Uh, I am a realtor at Keller Williams, Greater Columbus. Uh, so uh, work in the same office as Paul and uh, born and raised here in Columbus, been a realtor for just over 10 years now. And uh, really enjoying it. Uh, every day is different. Every day is an adventure. Always trying to advocate for a buyer or a seller. So uh, you never know what's going to happen when your phone rings. Always, yeah. a, always an adventure. I want to say this up front, and um, because if not, I'll get beaten down by the higher ups here. Rob and I are going to be talking on the subject as realtors, and we are not speaking for the Columbus realtors. We're not speaking for the national realtors. We have nothing other than our perspective of what we're hearing and seeing. All this is in the infancy, infancy right now, and we don't know where this is all going to end up, uh, but we're going to go through a little bit of that. Um, before we go into the actual lawsuits, I do want to go through and kind of be, like I say, as transparent as we can be about anything. And our goal is to help the public understand what they might be hearing about these. And I also want them to understand what a model real estate transaction might look like, whether it's selling a home or buying a home. So I kind of wanted to go through that and um, make sure that people understand that there's more than one ways of doing things. There's a traditional way that we're probably going to talk about, but there's no set in stone way of buying or selling a uh, home. And we are going to go through what we know about and what we think might be the best for the public. And we can do that because of, again, as I say, I've been doing this for a long time. Rob's been doing it for a long time. And we all know that uh, you don't last this long without doing it the right way and having people come back and be repeat clients. Um, so Rob, I want to establish uh, what, a real estate sale might look like. Um, first of all, the seller decides to sell a home and they need to figure out how they go about that. In your experience, what would you tell somebody if they say, Hey, I want to sell my house? <laughs> what a great question, Paul. What a great so question. Simple, right? right? Uh, in, in today's market in, in central Ohio, if you're ready to sell a home, you want to find a real estate agent that, that can meet your needs, that communicates on your level, that knows your neighborhood, that, that has been in the business and, and does this more than two or three times a year. Um, most folks start on the Internet or ask friends and family, you know, do you, have a, do you have a realtor that you had a good experience with? Can we talk with that person? And so I'd, I'd advise most sellers to interview two or three agents, find out who you like, who has good experience in your neighborhood, and, and go from there. Can I play the devil's advocate too? A absolutely. Because of, first of all, I'm cheap. Um whether frugal, you know, Paul, you're frugal. Yeah, frugal. That, that's a good way to put it. Is that the only way to sell my house? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, majority of homes, let's say 85, 90% of homes sell with an agent. Uh, there's another 10 to 15% that sell uh, outside the, the realtor industry that are for sale by owner uh, or sell, sold to a family member or passed down through, you know, in a, you spoke about wills, passed down through an estate. So. So it, it can be done without real estate agents, but you always want somebody that guides you through in a way that, hey, I want to make my own decision. Here's how I can do it. Um, with that being said, and somebody goes through, okay, Rob, my sister used you, and she said you're a pretty good guy, um, but you work for work for or with Keller Williams. What what what's that relationship mean from an individual to a company? 
uh, from a from an individual to a company. That's great terminology. From an agent to a broker is, is what we sort of inside baseball, the uh, real estate industry. Uh, so my broker um, is the only one that's legally allowed to uh, transact in Ohio, uh, and I operate on on behalf of my broker. So Keller Williams and, and my broker have uh, passed all the all the laws, all the you know uh, errors and in emissions insurance and. Uh, license with the state, and then I choose to hang my license with my broker uh, because I know, like, and trust my broker uh, to a point. They help me conduct my business um, in a fair, equitable way, equitable way, so that I can continue to serve my clients the best that I can. Uh, if I had to be my broker, be my broker and an agent for you, there's just too many things to do in the day. So I can't be a one-man band in today's society. I've got to be uh, well diversified, but also well supported, and I do that with my broker. Well, the other thing I know I do individually is that I need to focus on my own business. And the nice thing about Keller Williams, or even if it's Remax, or if it's Howard Hanna, or any of those, one, they keep us legal, but two, they find education for us if we want that mm-hmm. level, um, because there's other brokerages that they don't do that. And that's an agent's choice of how they want to go about being educated or because there's some people say I can do this on my own. I don't need a broker. Well, you do. Um, you know, we talked about your sister, you know, referred you to somebody and your sister says, why can't I just pay you? And we're not allowed to get compensated um, directly. So we have to go through the broker and the broker kind of, again, keeps us legal, so to speak. Right. Then the broker will then divvy up uh, their fair share to themselves and then uh, what's left over to, uh, to us agents. So, um, that's how compensation works in the state of Ohio. There are other states. Illinois, I believe, is a broker state. Every every agent is a broker, uh, but here in, in Ohio, um, agents work for a broker. So, see, that's why I have you on because of again, I'm so focused on my business. I don't know what goes on in. I just like to read Illinois and listen to podcasts. So here things. we are. Oh, mm-hmm. Here we are. You know, every seller they have their own motivation for selling. Um, I always think if the seller wants the best chance for selling under the best terms and conditions to fit their needs they might want to expose it to the most possible buyers. And we have something that we can offer that is probably as good as anything with our MLS. But a seller would come up to me and say, you know what, why don't I just put the house on Zillow? Um, what's your rebuttal to something like that? Uh, Zillow's, a, a, Zillow's built themselves a great platform uh, to put uh, homes out on the market to consumers. Um, Zillow is a publicly traded company that – uh, is looking out for Zillow. Uh, Zillow does not have a fiduciary responsibility to the consumer. They are simply an advertising website. Uh, as a realtor, I have a fiduciary responsibility, like a financial planner or an attorney. I have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that my client and all consumers are well protected and nobody's being taken advantage of. And I think sometimes that Zillow's, while their information is great, it's not always up to date. And <laughs> Information is uh, not very useful without context, and having a local expert, a local real estate agent um, that can give you context around how to interpret that data is as important as anything. Well, and again, Zillow serves a purpose. They are great at putting out information for uh, a buyer, but then they need to take that next step, and I think that's where we come in a lot of times. You know, I always tell the story about when I started, um, I was kind of the gatekeeper and realtors were kind of the gatekeepers of the houses. We had all the homes. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the buyers would say, okay, here's what we need. Find me a house. And the biggest difference now is that buyers say, here's the 10 houses I want to look at. Mm-hmm. And we have to project our value to them as to, okay, you found the house. Here's the inside information on that house. Here's how to get through from finding the house to actually owning the house. Mm-hmm. And that has become much, much, much more complicated when, since I started, when I started, the contract was one page. Uh, I think we're up to 14 pages. 14, 15, yeah. Yeah. And there's, within that, there's contingencies throughout that would just make people's eyes glaze over if they tried to understand what all that means. They make my eyes glaze over. And yeah, I see they it every do. Day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know. It's the standard one we use is from the Columbus Bar Association. It's not from the Columbus Realtors Association. Mm-hmm. So you know what happens when attorneys get involved with something like that. So you had kind of touched on it before, but if a seller is, they just don't have a clue because, you know, I've got somebody right now who hadn't, they were born and raised in the house and it was built in the 50s. So the daughter is actually selling the house because the mom's gone to live with her. 
she has no clue of how to, first of all, sell the house. Then she says, hey, you need a real estate agent. How would, what's the best way to go about finding that real estate agent? Mm-hmm. You had touched on it a little bit, but a little deeper into that. Sure. So uh, in my experience, most of my business comes from a what we call a warm warm referral. You know, Somebody reaches out and says, hey, my sister needs to sell a house. Would you be interested in, in meeting with them? Absolutely. Let's take a cup of coffee. Let's meet at the house and tour. Uh, I'd love to sit down and, and talk about what is going on here in the Columbus market and specifically your neighborhood. And, you know, it's hard to sell a house if you've never seen the house. So you got to take a tour of the house and figure out what it looks like inside, you know, what it smells like, what the floor plan is, you know, where it's located. Uh, does it face east? Does it face south? Um, so generally there's a, a tour of the home. If, if a consumer or a home seller is looking for the right agent, a lot of times they go to Zillow or Realtor.com and, you know, a lot of folks are out there looking for a seller, and a lot of real estate agents are looking to represent them. So they are certainly working towards, you know, Zillow's advertising and, and working towards getting that lead. And then Zillow, of course, is paid for that advertising. You know, that's how they make their money. And so they uh, they want to advertise and get the most eyeballs, and they're, they've become very good at it. Now, if you guys are just t- tuning in, this is the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm talking with Rob Pemberton. We are First of all, talking about a typical real estate transaction, and then we are going to talk about some things of, that might be changing within the industry. So we, you know, a lot of times we encourage sellers to talk to a couple of different agents. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, you can get a feel for if they know what they're doing or not. Um, you know, and it's hard for me to tell I guess converse just like this. Apparently, <laughs> I can't converse very well. This you're way. doing great, Bob. you're doing uh, great on your own show. You're doing yeah, great. It's just hard sometimes to tell people what the differences might be between somebody who has sold a house in the neighborhood or somebody who's doing transactions. Because unfortunately, in our industry, and I say this unfortunately because I'm very selfish and I'm full time, but there's a lot of part time agents who do this because they need to supplement their income or something mm-hmm. like that, and. I think that's one of the things that might be changing. I know the state of Ohio is trying to make it a little easier to get people licensed so they can include more people. But at the end of the day, when you need to talk to people face to face and actually go through and see what their track record is and see what you get a feel Mm -hmm. for. um, I've been in situations where you can tell that it's not the right fit. Um, Even though I know I can do a better job, sometimes the expectations are not realistic, whether it's they want a million dollars for their house and it's only worth a lot less than that Mm -hmm. or, um, they think that their house is going to sell on a weekend where we know we got some work to do to prep that house. Mm-hmm. So with that, um, once you hire an agent, you, the, when I say hire an agent, you're not paying them the way we are set up is we don't get paid. The agent's agency doesn't get paid unless we actually come up with a sale. Right. We're paid commission at closing. So, uh, listing a home taking photos of a home, staging a home, getting it ready for market. If we're not able to produce a buyer, those are our costs that we've shelled out. So a lot of times if, if I'm investing my money as an agent into the listing, I want to make sure that the seller and I are on the same page as I put my money into this transaction up front. If it never sells, I'm out that money. So we want to make sure that we get to the closing table uh, as quickly and as fast and as appropriately as we can based on the seller's needs. And, you know, I, Sometimes it's rare that we go over the first time we sign a listing agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, more often than not, it's a lot of preparation. When I say a lot of preparation, sometimes it, you know, it, it seems like lately in the last couple of years, I've been dealing with a lot of family situations where they're selling the parents' home or mm-hmm. that situation. That takes a long time sometimes because they have to go through the house and get it ready. And depending on what their motivation is. 30 years of memory in that house, Paul. There you, can't, is. you can't do and, that in two weeks. you yeah. got to take some time. Yeah. Some people can. Some mm-hmm. people just want to get that done. Mm-hmm. It can all be done, but that's one of the things we have to do is get a feel for right. what they are ready for. Yeah. What's your uh, pace? How fast do you want to move? Yeah. You know, is it this spring or next spring? Yeah. And that's what sometimes people don't realize that, you know, you have a need, but sometimes that need may take a little longer than what you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times there's a lot of preparation that has to be done. And sometimes it's staging. Sometimes it's painting. Sometimes it's, mm-hmm. again, it depends on the motivation. Mm-hmm. We have sellers who want to get the absolute highest price out of their house. Mm-hmm. Well, they say, we have to be their person that says, you need to do this, this, and this to give it the best chance to get there. Mm-hmm. 
other people say, we just want to sell it as is. Well, here's the number that we need to come up with based on, you know, our comparables and things like that. So by comparables, you mean historical data, historical data. I I can't predict the future just like, but I can look at historical data and, and with a pretty good idea, this is where the market is going. This is what's happening. Now there are external factors, as you know, when interest rates jump from four to eight or from three to seven, it changes the way that we market that home and what that looks like. And that's a conversation that we have with, with sellers, but you're right. It, looking at historical data to figure out where we go next is. And one of my challenges is, is not only historical data, but I have put as much credence as to what else is available at the time. Um, you know, appraisers always have to look back. Uh, but when I sell a home, a lot of times I will meet the appraiser and kind of give them an indication of what the activity was if I've got five offers on something and it's going for much more than asking, the seller, excuse me, the appraiser needs to somehow take that into account mm-hmm. where um, they always have to look at it black and white. And sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge to get there. But that's one of the things that we get compensated for is to kind of read those situations. So when we come back, we are going to actually talk a little bit more about this. And then we're going to talk about how some of these lawsuits are challenging some of these models that we are talking about right now. Um, One of the things that you guys can do is, um, you know, get back with us as soon as you can so we can talk about this sooner rather than later. We'll be right back. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George, and I'm here today with Rob Pemberton, a real estate agent with Keller Williams Greater Columbus. And we are talking about some pending legal action that's coming up. Um, Before we get back into that, I want to kind of get to know Rob a little bit better. Rob is an interesting character in that he has a presence about him, one, his voice, but two, his He's a red-headed and red-bearded kind of guy that uh, kind of stands out a little bit. You know, we were talking about if he's ever with um, somebody and they can't find him, they just have to look up and see what he looks like. Yeah, but, six foot redhead, easy to spot in a crowd. Yes, Absolutely. you are. Mm-hmm. So, r- real quick, I want to tell me a little bit more about you. You live downtown, is that what you yeah, do yeah. now? So, yeah. live downtown. Um, born and raised in Columbus. Um, spent. Uh, spent my childhood growing up. I think I was I was going to be a police officer, uh, so I went to Ohio State for uh, criminology, and um, unfortunately that that didn't uh, that career didn't take off for me, so it uh, wasn't an option. Um, so I was a part time youth pastor uh, for the United Methodist Church. So when that uh, dream of law enforcement uh, sort of died, I, I jumped into real uh, jumped into youth pastor full time, and did that for about ten years. And uh, when I turned thirty, I lost my patience for kids and thought, you know. <laughs> I need to do something else, and uh, I was looking for a house at the time, and my realtor was a, a parent of one of the kids in the youth group. And he was like, you should give this a shot. Uh, my grandfather was an agent uh, when he retired from Beulah Park from 81 to the early 2000s. I thought, you know what? I've toured around with him. I've been to open houses with him. I can do this, and uh, you know, had a conversation with friends and family and took the classes and made the jump and been full-time since 2012. Well, one of the things about our industry is nice that because it kind of gets to our entrepreneurial longings. And I think that was your, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that was something that uh, really appealed to you. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. always, always want to be your own boss. It turns out I'm just the client's boss, the, uh, the, bo- the client's the boss. And I just, do what that's they say. the way you do. Hey, one question I do want to ask before we get back into our subject is that I ask this to all my guests. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was one talent, that you could instantly learn one job you could instantly do without any training or anything. What would that be? One job or one talent. I'd, I'd like to be able to speak uh, every language. I would oh. like that. So whatever you walk into a room, you can always just meet them on their level and speak, uh, speak their language. I would do that. Okay. Yeah. Something about Babel. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know how that mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wanted to get back into our subject here. Um, I want to kind of, finish up a little bit about uh, a real estate transaction. Then we're going to get into some specifics about some of this legal action that we're talking about. Um, just to summarize a real estate transaction, let's say a, a seller hires a real estate agent. Um, 
once they're hired, they establish uh, the compensation as well as all the other costs that are involved. They do this prior to the listing. So once you sign something, you're just not signing a blind number and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, then the agents, you know, market the property. When I say market the property, there's a million things we do. It's not just putting it in the MLS. Uh, we enhance the things on, first of all, the pictures are getting to be as about as important as anything. Um, once we get that out there, you know, we do a million different things. You know, we'll talk about it at real estate meetings. We'll promote it there. Uh, I promote it via email. I promote it being, uh, negotiate, no, negotiation talking with other agents just kind of outside of the uh, normal looking it up on the computer kind of things. Um, once we get to that point, we help a seller negotiate an offer. And the offer is not necessarily always on price. Sometimes it's on possession. Sometimes it's on contents. Sometimes it's on how the financing takes place. Uh, there's just a million different things to do. We are going through and fulfilling all the different contingencies of a contract. And again, I said there's, I think, 14 pages of those. Um, once we get to that point, we hopefully we get to a closing. A closing is where basically the money transfers from the buyer to the seller. And the seller, um, you know, after that's done, a title company will compensate everybody the way they're supposed to. They'll pay the uh, taxes. They'll pay the fees from the county. Uh, that all takes place. Um, a lot of times that can take place from contract to close, I'd say 30 to 45 days if there's a lender involved. Um, a lender is the one who pretty much calls all the shots on this stuff. Um, if there's another agency involved, one of the ways that um, a seller would compensate the listing company is they are compensating usually a percentage, but it could be anything. Um, sometimes it's nothing. Uh, there's no set number one way or the other of how people get compensated. But out of that, we like to offer, and I'll call it an incentive, to bring every other agent within the multiple listing. I'm one of 10,000 agents. Um, I'm very good about selling a house, but I can't do it by myself. So what happens is, is that we will take part of our compensation and offer it to somebody who brings us a ready, willing, and able buyer who gets to a um, – gets through the negotiation and everybody agrees to the terms and conditions of it. So I just wanted to go through that and kind of let you know how that works because these lawsuits that we're talking about um, are challenging that structure. And one of the things I want to do is kind of bring it out in the open and talk about what's going on because there's not just one, not just two, not just three. There's, I don't know, we're up to double-digit lawsuits, but there's class action suits pending, there's state lawsuits pending. Uh, the Department of Justice actually has a suit themselves that's separate from all this. So to clear all that up, I am going to pick on Rob to kind of explain all of that that I just threw out there, kind of simplify it. What, what a great way to get take this Take the spaghetti and make the noodles straight again. This is perfect. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Uh, there That's are you're here. there are a handful of uh, of lawsuits that are uh, around the, the country right now. So the the one that um, just saw just saw the courtroom and uh, and had a verdict passed down was the uh, Sitzer Burnett case. Um, it's a class action lawsuit in the state of Missouri. Um, the uh, understanding is that the way realtors do business today is as I represent a seller, I charge them a commission. Um, usually a percentage of the overall price, sometimes a flat fee. Um, but once I take that commission, I put that home in the MLS, and in the MLS I say, look, I'm charging a, a commission. I will give you half of X as your – I will share my commission with you if you bring a ready, willing, and able buyer. The lawsuit states that sellers were unaware that part of the commission being paid to the seller's agent was being shared with the buyer's agent. And the sellers believe that the buyer should pay for their own agent. It shouldn't be taken out of the seller's proceeds, uh, the, the seller's pocket, the seller's money, that uh, the buyer should bring their own uh, – that they should bring their own agent. And if they want an agent, they should pay for that agent themselves, which is a perfectly logical understanding um, of an agent's position. If, if I was going to court and I wanted an attorney, I wouldn't ask the guy I'm suing to pay for my attorney. That That makes sense to me. One of the challenges is that I think people don't, 
I always do this, and I just do it as a matter of fact, saying that, okay, you, you, Mr. Seller, my seller, you're going to pay us this fee. I am going to bring you a buyer, and you understand that that person who, if it's not me, they're working for that buyer. They're not working on your behalf. And most of my sellers, if not all of my sellers, say, I don't care. Just bring me a buyer. Right. I'm going to use your money to entice a buyer's agent to bring their buyer to show this house. You know, a, a buyer's agents don't like to work for free. Nobody likes to work for free. Um, and so when I offer compensation through the MLS, um, it, it's a, you know, a promise of compensation. If you bring a ready, willing, and able buyer, come on over and uh, I'll share this commission with you. Uh, the sellers look at their final numbers and were upset. They didn't realize that they were paying for the buyer's agent. Now, the buyer's agent is not working for them. The buyer's agent is negotiating against them. They're looking out for the buyer's best interest. So if the roof is bad, if the basement's leaky, if the appraisal comes in low, the, the buyer's agent is working against the seller the entire time. Uh, and the seller is upset that they're paying the buyer's agent to work against them. And that was the, the basis of the lawsuit. Um, and so the, the jury uh, came back and said, yep, the realtors are guilty of uh, conspiracy and, and charging too much. And um, they – they suggested that there be a $1.8 billion fine um, to fix this problem. Uh, that verdict is sitting uh, on the judge's desk, deciding on uh, judgmental approval uh, on what that's finally going to look like. Uh, there are some antitrust um, antitrust issues in there on whether or not that number would then triple uh, to include damages on top of the $1.8 million. Uh, and so uh, the realtors are, are going to have to look at how they have uh, been paid and what uh, payment will look like in the future going forward. Um, so there are a lot of moving parts, but I think that there's a, I think there's a compromise in there somewhere. I don't think it's going to go strictly to um, a buyer's agent having to pay for their buyer out of pocket. I think there's some other solutions that are that are going to come down the pike. Yeah, and that's you know, first of all, this was step one. Um, this is also a state lawsuit. This isn't the national ones. There's right. Other this ones is just there. in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, there's another in Illinois where they're suing the National Association of Realtors. Um, that is a going to be a, more of a national case. Um, it was brought, I believe, in uh, 2019, um, and the Department of Justice at that time stepped in and, and um, sort of made some uh, made some rules about how realtors do business and wanted to um, wanted to fix it. So some of those uh, things are that um, you may have heard a, a buyer's agent say, "Well, I work for free." You don't have to pay me anything out of your pocket. That's a big no-no. No, it's a big no-no. So uh, realtor, buyer's agents don't work for free. They get paid. They get paid from the seller. Um, now, there's some debate on whether or not the seller is paying that or not. From my perspective, the buyer's the only one bringing money to the table, so the buyer's paying everybody. If mm-hmm. the buyer never shows up, nobody ever gets paid. Nobody took money from anybody except my photographer. They always take pictures and always get paid up front. So um, when the buyer brings the money – the buyer's paying commissions for both sides because they brought the money. But on the ledger, it shows that it comes out of the seller's proceeds. Um, another was that uh, there were some agents that were using the multiple listing service and sorting um, sorting homes by commission. So if I offered X, uh, anything less than X, they wouldn't show it to their clients. That's definitely a violation of, of our steering policies and code of ethics. Um, so that was, part of, uh, that was part of the DOJ settlement. They also asked that um, – those commissions be put on public websites, on Zillow's and Realtor.com's, and be shared with the general public, not something that we keep to ourselves as realtors. Um, and then last was that our super lockboxes, the fancy Bluetooth lockboxes that we put on houses, aren't limited only to realtors. We can open that up to other professions as well. We have – one of the things about my industry is we adapt to what the public wants no matter what. Um I do see a situation where logically you would want somebody who's working on your behalf to be paid by that same person who's benefiting Mm -hmm. from your expertise. And I think one of the, the, the unintended consequences is that there might be situations where, you know, seller again, doesn't have to offer anything. I'm going to offer my buyers, my representation, uh, I would want some compensation, and if I negotiate that ahead of time, whether it's X amount of a, a, a purchase price or whether it's a flat fee amount or something like that, um, I don't know if a seller is 
making their house available to as many possible buyers as needed. Mm-hmm. And where I think this is going to hurt is that, again, first-time home buyers. First-time home buyers are using the majority of their monies for a down payment. Mm-hmm. Now they need extra money if they're going to compensate their trusted advisor mm-hmm. or somebody who has a fiduciary duty on their behalf. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to hurt sellers in the long run because now their pool of buyers is probably a little smaller than what it would have been if they're offering yeah. incentives. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we work with builders as well. Builders, they don't have to offer any compensation. I am a big fan of new construction, but, mm-hmm. you know, candidly, between you and me, between everybody else, builders don't pay us as well as uh, individual sellers do. They have that right to do so. Mm-hmm. I I always do a buyer's representation agreement before I buy, and I always, my, as of right now, what my compensation says is whatever's being offered in the MLS, whatever's being offered by the builder is what I'm going to accept. Mm-hmm. If I start seeing the trend being less than what my personal business model says, I might have to ask a buyer to say, will you participate in some of this mm-hmm. if I can't make a living on this? Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's one of the unintended consequences because of I've been doing this for a long time and I think people would compensate me based on my track record, whereas somebody who might be brand new um, who needs to get started or somebody part-time who needs to supplement their income, which our real estate industry allows, mm-hmm. um we can't just shut out people because of that. So I don't know where this is going to end up, but you know, you talked about the Missouri lawsuit. Um, tell me about the national lawsuit that's out there right now. Uh, it's not supposed to hit courts until um, middle of 2024. Uh, that'll take place in uh, Illinois um, at the federal level. Uh, and they're, they're suing on, on the same basis that um, the seller didn't realize that the commissions he was paying to his agents were going to be split with somebody that's going to negotiate against him. So, uh, we'll, uh, uh, so it's a, it's a complicated case, but it's going to see it's going to see a courtroom, and the courtroom, the jury, and the the both sides are going to figure out what's what's appropriate, and then we'll make our decisions based off what the court says. And again, this is going to take a long time. Um, and again, we usually change things proactively within our industry, but we'll see how that works. Again, I want to remind everybody that Rob and I are just two real estate agents talking to each other. We do not represent, we do not speak for anybody within the industry that's uh, an association or has anything to do with the lawsuits. News articles as interpreted by Rob and Paul. There you go. <laughs> you say that much better than I do. So, hey, when we come back, um, I'm going to give you kind of my tip of the week, and we're going to delve into this just a little bit more, and we'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Again, I'm your host, Paul George, and I am here with Rob Pemberton. We're talking a little bit about uh, realtor compensation and all that kind of fun stuff that's going on Um Typically, this part of the show, I do like to give you kind of a tip of the week. And I got an interesting one that is something for you to keep your eyes on. 
the state of Ohio passed some legislation where they are going to be allowing individuals to start a it's called a home buyer savings plan, but basically it works like a college savings plan where you um, are able to start saving money. Um, that gives you some tax benefits within the state of Ohio, but it's a little bit different than a college plan and that college plan set up with you buy uh, mutual funds or something like that. This is actually one where you start a bank account where you can contribute to it for up to five years um, and you can have relatives contribute to it as well. But it goes into a savings account, and the savings account is going to be more beneficial interest rate-wise than it would be if you were just putting your money into an account that way. Um, so it still hasn't been rolled out yet, but those are kind of the general terms of it as I understand it. So there's going to be um, qualified lenders that are going to be setting up these plans, and I think it's going to be a big boon for our industry because, uh, again, the biggest challenge for people is getting a down payment these days. So – Getting back to our subject at hand, um, we're talking about some of the class action lawsuits going against the uh, real estate industry. And again, these are situations where other than the Missouri case, these are all pending. They haven't even been to court yeah, yet. They're, so yeah, yet to see their day in court. They have to see their day in court. And again, I'm with Rob Pemberton. Um, you hear that great voice here on the background. Um, we were just talking about that in the break here about how does this affect a buyer? How does right. this affect how's, a seller? How does this trickle down? Yeah. Yeah. So who cares how a realtor gets paid? How does this affect right. me? I get that. So um, there, there's already conversation that if, if the uh, compensation for a buyer's agent starts to come from the buyer directly, how does that affect somebody's cash on hand, their, their down payment? Um, Ohio General Assembly has already rolled out that they have, have uh, approved this plan. Uh, so it's tax-free, tax-sheltered, sort of uh, save money for a house. You just mentioned that in your tip. Um, there's also been some talk with um, FHA and VA um, uh, about can we start to push the realtor compensation and roll it into the into the mortgage or into the loan. Right now, that's not part of the program. Right now, a realtor's compensation generally comes from um, a seller's proceeds on their house, the commission that they're offered to bring a ready, willing, able buyer. If that goes away, um, a first-time home buyer that's got to pay – you know, X number of dollars on top of a $300,000 house, that's just going to be a, a death sentence for most people trying to enter, most first-time homebuyers entering the market, um, which then changes generational wealth, which then changes the buyer pool for all of the sellers that we currently have, which puts people in lifetime rental situations. Um, and so there's already a, a conversation about whether or not that can be um, added into the life of the loan. Uh, in commercial real estate, generally there's a a letter of intent rather than a purchase contract. We start with a letter of intent, and in that letter of intent, um, on behalf of my buyer, the seller will pay my broker X number or this flat fee compensation for bringing a ready, willing, and able buyer. And I think that that will start finding its way into a residential contract um, as we as we move through these lawsuits. So um, as I write an offer for a buyer, I brought a ready, willing, and able buyer, and I'm asking the seller to pay me fill-in-the-blank um, compensation um, for bringing a ready, willing, and able buyer. But at least at that point, the compensation is upfront, and the seller knows exactly what that number is and can put it in their, their calculations to figure out how much money they're going to make. And it's part of the negotiation. So now if that house needs a new roof, because, I mean, how often do you look at your roof until you sell it or it leaks? Uh, well, I have to put on a $10,000 roof. I'd like to change your compensation by filling the blank. And so I think that we'll see more of that than we will the rolling it into the loan. I think it will just become part of the negotiation. Well, at the end of the day, we are trying to be as transparent as possible. Sure. Um, everybody wants to know, you know, everybody looks at our line item, and a lot of times they don't see it until they get to the closing. Until closing, and it's, yeah. It's, it's too late. You know, the mm -hmm. sellers usually know. Mm -hmm. But the buyers now or something that we're going to have to prepare everybody for um, as to how somebody gets compensated and I'm not going to sit there and ask a buyer to say that I'm worth this and this unless I prove it out to them. And one of the ways sometimes it's hard to prove out your expertise, you never know how long you're saving somebody from, mm -hmm. you know, walking through on a home inspection and saying that, right. hey, this might be worth asking for, this might not be, mm -hmm. uh, this might be worth this much, this might not be. Yeah. Real estate uh, can be a minefield. I'll get you from one side to the other without losing a leg. 
yep. but without the right expertise, it's a minefield. You could lose a leg. It is. And, you know, we're certainly not attorneys, but all we can base things on is our experience. Mm-hmm. And the thing about all of this is that it's everything is negotiable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's people that, you know, my last listing appointment said, what's your standard fee? I said, there's no such thing as a standard fee. Right. Well, what's everybody else paying? And that always puts us on the spot because of, you know, some people will pay more, some people will pay less. Mm-hmm. And it depends on your motivation. Right. Well, in transactions across the street that didn't involve me or an agent I know, I don't know what they, I don't know what they charged. Yeah. So, it, and that's mm-hmm. one thing that's not published after the fact. Right. right. You know, if you want to look at public records and things, you don't know. Yeah, it's not built into the county uh, yeah. county website. I don't, I don't know what they paid. I, I can't tell. You, I can tell you, this is what it's going to take to get your house sold, and this is what we need to do, and this is how we need to get there. And for that, I believe I'm worth X. Yeah. Yeah, and same thing on the buyer side as buyers agents. We are offered compensation within the multiple listing, whether it's a dollar, whether it's a percentage or something like that. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what the seller is charging, or excuse me, the selling agent is charging that seller. Until we get to the until closing we get table. To the closing. Right. Because um, I had situations where I do multiple transactions with people. They sell a house, they buy a house, they build a house. Sure. Uh, my compensation is going to be different if I'm getting two transactions out of it. So, absolutely. Again, this just goes to the fact that everything is negotiable. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, right. You know, builders will offer us incentives yeah. sometimes. They negotiate offer us against more. us. We love that. Yeah. Negotiate. That's negotiate. Fine. Well, I wanted to thank you, Rob. If Rob, you know, even though he's in my office, he's still a good guy. But if somebody wants to find you, how do they find you and get some questions answered? And they can they can reach out to me directly. Uh, my my cell phone is six one four. Four zero three zero one four zero. Do you have an email address? Uh, I do. It's Rob at CapitalOhioTeam.com. Capital with an O. Rob at CapitalOhioTeam.com. Well, I appreciate you coming in, and I think we'll be talking about this in the future. I would love to be back. Thanks, we'll Paul. We'll see you back. All righty. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.